What's up, everybody? Welcome to Match Point Number Nine, a tennis bets podcast. I'm one of two co-hosts, David EJ Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9 Tennis, and we've been having fun this week with the Australian Open overall winning record. But last night was rough. It was rough. And since I had a little time here today, I thought I would bust out another mini episode, go over what we saw last night, the blind spots. Was it blind spots? Maybe just letdowns. But let's take a look at how we missed uh, so we can learn and move on. Okay, well, the plays we posted, which we flipped up our strategy a bit this week, we've just been posting all the stuff we lean, which I'll get to a little bit later. We actually ended up not doing that. We just found safety in a few matches we thought we had a good read on, but uh, turns out we we did not. Let's talk about uh, Lorenzo Sonego versus Kekmanovic. First, uh, we posted Sonego to cover the games line and the money line. Pretty fat money line, too, so that sucks to lose when you're laying a little bit more than you want. Uh, I think it was all the way up to almost 180, minus 180, so tough loss. Um, you know, we've talked about on a previous pod that the outdoor hard isn't the best surface for Sonego, but, I mean, coming in, Kekmanovic was even worse on this. A lot of people are very hyped on Kekmanovic after this. Uh, he is a former juniors number one, and he does have an ATP title, but let's let's be a little realistic here. That title came at ATP Kidspiel in 2020, which was a clay 250 on the heels of the USO. So, I mean, I'm not taking that a ton into consideration when it came to this match or just overall. I've, I've watched this guy stink on hard court over and over last year. I'm a big-time Kekmanovic fader. I don't feel real bad. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I am elevating him a bit moving forward. Uh, uh, but I'll also be looking for spots where he's overvalued. I mean, Sonego to me, totally melted this match away. He hit 20 more winners, but had eight double faults and 16 more unforced errors, just giving points and games away at that point. He went two of 13 on break points. This is going to be a recurring theme for our losses last night. Kekmanovic did play amazing defense, uh, incredible court coverage, really worked the baseline and came through with inspired returns on big points. So that kind of is what it is. It was, um, we were lucky that Sonego even got the second set. <laughs> Let's be real. He was down 6-3, a tie break, came back to win. You felt I felt comfortable after that, like he was going to pull through, but but then he did not. He, he even went up a break in the fourth, so we might get a fifth, and then he melted that away too. And match point, unforced error right into the net. Just I think he's going to be kicking himself for that one, and so am I. Um, we also had Sebastian Corda beating Busta. Now, this was a true pick match. And so we took the dog. I, 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 we just got the wrong side. I think quarter overall has more weapons and I thought this would be a pretty even match. So I, I'd like the guy with more weapons to come out on top, but the break points where it comes down again, quarter goes two for 13 boost to go six for 15 quarter hit two more winners had 11 more aces, uh, only had seven more unforced errors. Just yeah. A uh, small margins match and quarter uh, doesn't do it. Tough loss. And then we had Carlos Zacharias uh, covering the games and the money line with Berrettini. Again, another relatively high-priced money line play. Pushed to like 180 by the time it closed. Instant classic match. Five-set thriller. Alcaraz had some early flubs that put him into the hole. He was getting dominated on short rally points early. And late, I think the fourth set, the only set where he came out on top in that category. Shots of like four to six and under. But he climbed all the way back, uh, as I said, and he's, he took it to the distance. Uh, again, another tight match we're just on the wrong side of. 
Acre has actually won more games in the match, 26 to 24. Hmm. Hmm. Brutal. But again, the break points, the Achilles heel, four of 13. And routine listeners of this podcast know we think Berrettini has a bit of an extra gear in tie breaks that he doesn't always get credit for. And he does so two times here to get the win. Gil Gross, uh, tennis channel host, uh, I thought I had a pretty good tweet um, saying Alcaraz could use a little more variety when returning against big servers, like Mateo saying he takes it early and hadn't tried a deeper return position. So something to keep in mind when we see Alcaraz booked again on the slate against big servers moving forward. Alcaraz, man, why didn't you pull that out, buddy? Ah, tough one. That one, that one all the way back just to lose in the end. Um, thankfully, I actually, when he went down to sets, I, I went to bed. Um, I had stayed up way too late the night before for Medvedev, uh, Kyrgios, and um, things were going haywire. I just needed to sleep this one off. Um, but we did pick up some wins while I was asleep. Uh, the only two of the nights, Zverev came through with the under 18 and a half and under 19, dusting Albot and straights. Albot gets the games cover though, as the line was a big fat nine. Really wish I had posted that one. And that was a theme. There was a few things I liked that, I mean, this is why we switched it up was just to post things we liked. And then we ended up not doing that, but we also liked internally uh, Shapovalov against Opelka. I just thought Shapo would be better in a match where he was going to have shorter points. Uh, plus he's already beaten this guy. And it's not like we've seen the giant Riley Opelka become, you know, a God or anything since <laughs> the calendar has flipped to a new year. And then I did like hatching up to get a set versus Rafa, but, He's only he's only done that one time in eight matches versus Rafa, so I was hesitant. But law of averages, I just felt like maybe he gets one. And as we said, we saw some cracks in uh, Rafa's game and outdoor hard so far, although this was the first set he's dropped. So it was only a matter of time. Another reason I like that. Take a quick note here, too, and talk about um, this minus 170, minus 180 line. Man, very trappy. A lot of guys are losing around that. So, and, and not only that, they're getting to that point with negative um, line movement. So something to keep an eye on, something to keep an eye on. All right, well, let's take a look ahead at tonight, day six of the Australian Open. We've got some plays ahead. Uh, I'm going to kick it off with um, a match that probably a lot of people are not talking about, but jumped out at me right away. And that's Pablo Andujar versus Alex Dimonor. Uh I'm liking Pablo Andujar plus eight and a half at minus 155 paying up a little bit to get the alt line here but this line is extremely disrespectful to Andujar ADM did have a great match last time out against Camille and he did cover the six he did cover the six we 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 like Camille with the six but he, that didn't come in um, but I think the books are a bit overvaluing uh Demonor in this match uh, the older Andujar took out hot young gun Alex Mulcan last time out and the story of that match seems to be all the break points. Malkan Blue going a ludicrous 4 of 18. But I think the underlying story of that match was Andujar extending the point, frustrating the young Malkan along the way. Old man game. You know, you play pickup hoops, and there's like an older guy who's just like, he has like one spot on the on the floor. He's sinking it. You're like, oh, who, I don't want this guy on, this te- on my team. But hey, he's got his one spot. He just sinks it suddenly you're like man i'm so glad i got this guy on my team that's kind of what anduhar i think is bringing to this match a little, little old man game i like him to extend the point and demonor obviously a more proven player than mokan but also mental 
and unreliable right now. I think a similar tactic will keep a set or two close as eight and a half is a lot of games and buying that half game avoids the push like in the Garin match last night against Monfils and Duhar plus eight and a half. I mean, is he going to get completely dusted? I, I just doesn't seems unlikely to me. All right. Next we have Bodic VDZ. I will not insult the guy by trying to pronounce his last name. Uh, oh boy. I got to work on these names. Anyway, we're taking him plus nine versus Daniel Medvedev at minus 130. This is a rematch of a quarterfinal in the last slam we've had, the 2021 US Open. That match fell nine. And that's with Med winning a set 6 0. Bodic got a set in that match. Uh, and I have two takeaways from that. You know, it's like we know 6 0 or 6 1 is in the realm of possibilities. But at the same time, how likely is that to happen again? I mean, just another bagel. So I think right now Bodic has a top 40 ELO rating. He's a solid defensive player and capable of overcoming bad spots as evidence in his set one versus Struff, where he went down early break and came back to win 6-4. So Med, obviously a great player, but the threshold to push or cover with Knight is so low. I mean, Bodic really, I mean, he just has to play okay to get there. So we're taking what the books are giving us here more than any great tennis read. It's just... I mean, that's so many games. Uh, I, I like Bodic to give a little bit of fight here and not get completely dusted. All right. Next, we have Maxime Caressi, Moneyline, minus 179. Now, I've already talked about how this is the trap zone, and I'd love to offer some insightful, analytic-driven explanation as to why I lean Cressy here. But really, it's just staying in those flames. He's hot. The guy is in the zone. Now, his opponent, Chris O'Connell, just got a quality win as well against Diego Schwartzman, and he'll have the crowd. And Cresty's played a lot. Fatigue could come into play. But I feel like anytime I try to put fatigue into the mix with a young guy like Cresty, it doesn't matter, and it blows up in my face. And I'd argue Cresty's win last time out was even more impressive than O'Connell's as Cresty bested a guy playing great tennis and Tomas Macic. I hope that's how you say his name. The guy was on an 11-match win streak and uh, found spots to really push Cressy, which Cressy overcame. O'Connell dusted Schwartzman uh, to the under, which was fairly tilting because we had the over. I, I mean, I didn't think he would win. I thought he would push him, but he, he won outright and under the amount of games. Uh, Schwartzman losing as a $5 favorite. Tough to do. Uh, but Schwartzman is very beatable. The guy loses all the time. Let's be, let's be real. Let's be honest. And last time O'Connell had a big win, the Yannick Center win in Atlanta last year that I've mentioned on this pod a couple of times now, uh, he played John Isner right after that, who has a similar game to Cressy and lost. Now, Atlanta is Isner's tournament, so don't want to read too much into that, but it's worth noting. And O'Connell has lost already this year to Jordan Thompson, while Cressy nearly took a set off Rafa Nadal at tiebreak. So yeah, sticking with Cressy here, they've juiced this total to 40 games, so it might get rough out there, and we might get a, a tie break here. I would actually say a tie break is almost a lock. So if you want to play, will there be a tie break? Yes, I don't blame you. Um, and if you want to wait until live to get a better number with Cressy, I also don't blame you. But let's 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 have some fun, Cressy. Let's go. All right, next we have Taylor Fritz, 
versus Bautista Agut. And we're taking the over 39 and a half games here. Really high total here. And with good reason, this should be a battle. I wanted to back Fritz outright, and I do like him here. I do. I do. I do. But it's hard to ignore Fritz's terrible head-to-head at 4-1, and one, and, he was, and he hasn't won a set in the last eight they've played. That said, these guys are at very different points in their careers since, since their last meeting on clay in April of last year at Monte Carlo. Fritz coming in with a top 30 ELO rating and a Goot at 33. It's going to be a lot of talent versus strategy going on here. I think this has a very good chance of hitting five sets or going four and getting some seven, five or tie break sets before that. I really like the over in this matchup. I think these guys are going to, you know, push each other. All right. Next we have uh, Stefano Tsitsipas minus seven and a half versus pair. We've gone over some matches taking the fat games line. That makes sense. Uh, This one juiced up to seven and a half. Pretty large as well but city has literally covered this line in three set matches in their recent head-to-heads now benoit pair is certainly a better player this tournament than over the last year and a half but after getting pushed by Baez, i look for city to bounce back and pair to stumble a bit keep in mind we did get kind of lucky to get the cover with Baez as steph had it 5-0 in the fourth and was cruising to a cover even after dropping a set and playing another to a tie break so even if Pear somehow sneaks a set, I mean, we're not dead. We're not dead on the game's line. I don't see Pear putting up that kind of fight, though. Driving down Narrative Street, I've been bored. I'm behind the wheel, but I'm going right down Narrative Street. And I'm guessing Pear is quite pleased with what he's done so far. Is there a real passion to grind out this win? I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. Prove me wrong, Benoit. And then finally, in the most pick'em of pick'ems we've seen all tournament, maybe all year, we are taking Felix FAA money line minus 120 versus Dan Evans. Evans, he's a trendy pick. You're going to see on the timeline, everyone's going Evans. And I get it. He's been red hot in Australia, winning six of his last seven matches this year, including beating the red hot Cressy. His only loss to Oslan Karatsev, who is on a flight home after losing to Manorino last night. That was, you know, not to get off topic here, but. I man Reno does not appear to have a sponsored kit and Karatsev was wearing the brand that he did wear before that. I mean, that if that's, I, I was trying to look it up. I couldn't get information on this, but if that's how it really played out, I mean, could you, ima- I mean, that was probably a motivation like fuck this guy wearing my kit after they dropped me. So anyway, that's just something that I, I picked up on. I mean, he was wearing a plain white shirt, man, Reno. But the 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 lunch pail king guy always goes to work, and he's on to the second week of the Australian Open. Good for that guy. Huge huge dog. If you played him so far, congrats to you. All right, back to uh, this match. Uh, FAA has limped to his third round position here with two five setters, and Evans beat FAA at a two fifty in Australia last year before the AO. But I'm going with the side of now seen perform well at a major. FAA has a U.S. semifinal. Under his belt, which granted he lost, but hey, he got there. He's got the more rounded game here, and he's already beaten the likes of Zverev, Agut, Nori. And let's not act like Rusevori and Fokina are pushovers, although Fokina is kind of a mental case, but still, I mean, the guy is a young talent. Um, we are leaning FAA here as a short favorite to level his head to head versus Evans. All right. 
this is it. Day six. Let's have some fun. Follow us at MP9 Tennis for our plays and for just general thoughts and comments. Interact with us. Uh, not only are we, you know, trying to win some money on these matches, but uh, we're trying to have fun and watch tennis together. Just grow the community. It's less about being profit monsters. Not that we don't want to win, but you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. All right. Until next time, see you on the court.